Hello and welcome to another episode of North 100, your Canadian Highlander podcast of choice. I'm Serge. Joining you today is Jeremy White, Alex Stacey, and Liam Coughlin. Today we are doing the first part of our Ixalan set review. We're going to be talking specifically about cards that we think are playable. And uh, in a follow-up episode, we're going to be talking about the cards that are maybe not playable, niche playable, or that we think are traps. So if you don't see a card today, expect it in the next episode or throw it in the comments and, and you know put it on our radar. Reminder that this podcast is brought to you by you over at the Loading Ready Run Patreon at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. As always, we're going to start with our little segment, The Best Card You're Not Playing. And uh, Liam, why don't you tell us the best card we're not playing? Sure. So the best card you're not playing currently is uh, Twin Flame. And this card does actually get, get played a little bit. It does. What is this? Okay, so this is actually sort of a, a two-part process. Um, Twin Flame combos infinitely with Dual Caster Mage. What happens is that you can, oh. if you have something you can target, actually you don't even need it, it's up to. So what's, wait, wait, what's Dual Caster Mage? Dual Caster Mage is a one red red flash 2-2 two, two that okay. when it enters the battlefield you can copy target instant or sorcery and choose new targets. So what happens is you cast Twin Flame, then you get to hold priority and cast Dual Caster Mage, and then it's sort of like the Splinter Twin combo. Dual Caster Mage comes in, it copies Twin Flame, the new Twin Flame copies a Dual Caster Mage, the new Dual Caster Mage copies Twin Flame, etc, etc, etc. It's an infinite loop. Huh. Wait. And they all have you... haste. I guess you don't have to choose a target No, before. it says You can two. cast it with an empty board. Yeah, you can cast it with no, no targets. targets. So it's five Then you hold priority, cast Dual Caster, get him. Yeah. Now... Why would you play Twin Flame and not Kiki Jiki combo? Red. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, so uh, there's a, there's a couple of reasons, right? The one of the big ones is that uh, Dual Caster Mage at least is way better as a card on its own than either half of uh, the Twin Pestermite combo. Kiki Jiki okay. is a different animal. Sure, sure, sure. Um, okay. But because it's quite good with creatures, but Dual Caster Mage on itself fits quite nicely in a deck that's playing a lot of spells. Uh, it's also a much more disruptive creature a lot of the time. Uh, and Twin Flame is nice because it costs two mana. Huh. Uh, and two mana is one of the easier mana costs to tutor for in this format. Um, That's so yeah, super cool. This combo is sweet. I think people should play more of it. Twin, Twin Flame also has a lot of utility as a as, as a fair card. I've won a couple games by hmm. Twin Flaming up like Trinade Nemesis things. and like <sighs> something else. And then just like attacking for way more damage than my opponent expected. Yeah. Huh. And out of like a blue-red control deck, they don't necessarily expect that. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, I, I played this in Grixis Tempo, this combo, when I was first playing Magic, uh, or first playing Highlander, and uh, yeah, killed killed my opponent by Twin Flaming a Goblin Rabble Master. And uh, that's, that that's does a lot so of damage. spicy. It does a lot of damage. So yeah, so anyway, so that's the, the, the hot new tech. It's a fun card. Uh, hot old. Very cool. Uh, block. All right, yeah. let's, uh, let's jump in the set review. Jared, do you want to start us off? Uh, we're going to be going in Wooburg order, and within the Wooburg order, uh, we're going to do colorless and lands, then gold cards, and alphabetically within it. And starting us off is the Duskborn Sky Marcher. Yes, yeah, so this is a one mana flying one one, and that's that's pretty much it. The the line of text where it says target attacking vampire gets plus one plus one until end of turn isn't super relevant in this format. Tribal vampires not a super not, viable not deck a, as of yet. Okay, um, you, it may come up occasionally, like. I'm trying to think like Vampire Nighthawk sees some play, uh, Blood Baron of Viscopa, Blood Gas. It has maybe. protection from yeah. this, unfortunately. Wait, oh what? yeah, yeah, you can't oh, target. No! Can't target Blood Baron. <laughs> oh, um, what, what list is going to play this deck? So basically, just any white X flying creatures deck. Any deck playing like favorable winds, Pride of the Clouds, 
stuff like that. It's, it's not going to be... You want another copy of Suntail Hawk. Yeah, yeah de definitely not going to be a, a staple, but it, it may sneak into some lists here and there. All right. Cool. Uh, next up, we have the Kinjali Sunwing. Now, this is a three-mana 2-3 two, three with flyer. Creatures your opponent control enter the battlefield tap. This creature is great. Uh, you're going to see it in all of your hate bear lists. You might even see it splashed in some of your two or three color um, white XX lists where you want more creatures that just make things tough for your opponent. I think this is going to see play in a lot of those types of lists. There's and a ground pound creature that's just like this. Imposing, it's a new, new flying imposing sovereign. And one extra, with two extra points. The imposing sovereign's a 2-1. Yeah. This is a 2-3. This thing is fantastic. Th this thing is much better than imposing sovereign. So if you saw imposing sovereign before, you're going to see this a lot more. Yep. Yeah. All right, so up next is uh, Settle the Wreckage. Oh, yes. Wow, and you just really need to wrath something. Uh, two white, white, instant. Exile all attacking creatures target player controls. That player may search his or her library for that many basic lands, put those lands into the battlefield tap, then shuffle his or her library. It's Path of God. It <laughs> That's uh. so good! <laughs> and importantly, a lot of the times, this actually reads exile all their attacking creatures, and many decks won't actually have any basics. Won't have enough. Yeah, they might only we'll get one or two. Basics, or you don't care about their land count because you yeah. just like blew them out. Yep. And got three of their best creatures. Path of God is so good. Yeah, it is. It is, a, it is I'm, a I'm good pretty nickname. pretty excited about playing this card in control for sure. Huh. Yeah. This yeah. is like. And ex the exile clause is so relevant in yeah. a lot of matchups. Mm -hmm. Like a, a lot of the creature combo decks will try to like value out with their creatures. Yeah. And being able to exile their stuff at instant speed, well, super like, relevant. Sorry, Kitchen Finks, you're not yeah, coming exactly. back from yeah, this one. You get Kitchen Finks, you get your blood cast, you get. I mean, even like regen creatures. Yeah. Yeah. All the wrath of God. I mean, yeah. Thrun. This gets Thrun. It. Well, and mo yeah. yeah, just like it doesn't put them in the graveyard where lots of these creature combo decks are good at getting stuff back from the graveyard with. Eternal Witness or Recurring Nightmare or Living Death. I don't think a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people are expecting an instant speed wrath either. So exactly. it's hard to play around. Yeah, the the card that I thought of when I I saw this that sometimes sees play is Comeuppance, which yeah. is three and a white for an instant that prevents all damage that uh, opponent. Uh, tar I think it targets an opponent, but all their creatures and they would do to you this turn, and then it reflects the damage back. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. it also stops damage to your planeswalkers, which can come up as yeah, well. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so it's another kind of instant speed wrath, but that one often, uh, like for instance, I ended up against a, a flipped Kurt Curious Homunculus the other day with this card in my deck, and that card is a 3-4. Uh, and awkwardly, when you're reflecting damage back, it doesn't work as well, so this is kind of nice in those, in those decks that maybe want access to an instant speed getcha. Mm -hmm. It's good cool. for that. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. All right, Liam. Uh, next card we have to talk about is Takatli. Takatli, and we decided that's how we're pronouncing so. it. All right, Takatli Honor Guard. So this is a 1-3 for one and a white uh -huh. that uh, is basically the Hushwing Griff effect. It's creatures entering the battlefield uh, don't cause abilities to trigger. So it's like Torpor Orb. Um, it's interesting. I'm not as high on this card as, as some other people are. I've seen a bunch of hype about this card, that it's going to be great. Um, I do think that the 1-3 stats are a little, a little awkward. Uh, ben but Wheeler kind of summed this card up by saying, like, back-breaking ability makes up for small body. Yeah, but I, I, I actually... I don't know if that's I don't true. Agree, yeah, I don't agree with that. I don't think that this ability is back-breaking enough. Um, what? It, it, it is very good, but it's only a 1-3. It really just... It's not really a bear. It is a, a super underwhelming creature, and so, I mean, a lot of decks are just going to ignore it. And in a white deck, you're going to have a bunch of Enter the Battlefield abilities as well. It's hard to imagine this deck, this card in a deck that doesn't involve Stoneforge Mystic at the very least. Mm -hmm. So, like, 
you're gonna have some collateral damage against your own cards as Although, well. Although, like, Griff did see some fringe play in... Yeah, uh, Griff importantly, though, has flash. Yeah. So you, you almost always get something. You just hold mm. it up until yeah. you get them. Yeah. yeah and, but anyway, yeah. this card probably gets into a bunch of decks. I think people are going to play it, um, but I'm, I'm less excited about it than other people are, I think. Yeah. yeah. Hate Squires. Jerem. Right, or not even. Awesome. <laughs> uh... We're on blue now. Oh, yeah, Charter Course. We were joking about I'm, this card. No, it's I'm the best card. I'm super stoked on this card. Yeah. I like this card uh, a lot. This card is like, we've been asking them to print a two-mana draw two for so long. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Long. Like, we were sort of talking about this. Yeah, we were. I, I don't remember <laughs> if it was on the podcast or not. No, I, th like, I think it was Two-mana draw two and then some claws or something. It's like, oh, okay, there it is. Well, we yeah. had it at, like, blue-blue, so yeah, only hard blue, blue decks blue could play two. it. But oh, I think this, this card is going to go into so many of the blue decks. I see yeah. this being a staple in... Jeskai, Bug, any blue-based mid-range deck that wants to have creatures on board. It's not hard to get the raid, uh, raid pseudo-raid clause at least once. It doesn't yeah. say raid on it, but it's got the, the same text. It's like if you could play Thoughtcast in every deck, this is what this gives you. I mean, it's better than Thoughtcast. Yeah. It costs two. It always costs two. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this is my pick, actually, for the best card in the set, I think. Cool. I think that this card is going to gonna appear in a lot of decks. I think that's pretty reasonable. It, mm -hmm. the, it is nice that it it doesn't necessarily get into all the control and combo decks. Because, right. like, yeah. giving them that is is a little dangerous. I really like the the way they balance this card hmm. by making making you have to be at least somewhat proactive in it, order to get the get the advantage. It's a simple card, yet it's like really cool and really powerful, and you, it doesn't yeah. seem that complicated. So how did it take so long to get this effect? But I like it. It's it's elegant. Yeah, I, I love this card. All right, next up we have Jace, the Cunning Castaway, our new three-mana Planeswalker. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, bird. Bird Jace. No, I, I think this is great. I love Stupid Sexy Jace. Um, I think all the three-mana Planeswalkers are really powerful, and this is going to see play all over the place. This card is three-mana and ticks all the boxes that a Planeswalker needs to tick. Like, I, it defends itself. It gets card advantage and, like, kind of wins the game. I don't, I don't think this card well, will see... Well, it doesn't quite win the game, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't think this will see too much play in, in control decks that can't really take advantage of plussing it. Right, right. But any any deck where you can see yourself getting advantage out of the plus from this card, I could definitely see jamming it, especially decks like Bant or Bug when you're able to cast it on... A, sorry, Sultai, when you're able to cast it on turn two off a... Oh, a right. mana creature. Yep. The, any any of the three mana planeswalkers on turn two are nutty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This Jace has some pretty savage tan lines. Yeah, pretty hot. Maybe they're runic marks, I can't tell, but <clears throat> it might be. No, no they're tan lines. They're tan cool. lines, yeah. Yep. Sweet. Um, next up is a reprint. Uh, not a lot to say about it, but Opt is back. Uh, this card sees play in, um, like, is it decks? Uh, did it see play in, um, uh, in combo? Uh, yeah, occasionally, yeah. Yeah, like I, I think this this kind of effect uh, pairs well with stuff like um, uh, prowess, you know, like your, your monastery mentor. Delve. Um, delve. Just to yeah. get cards in your graveyard and, and yeah, sort of set up your next draw. It's a draw. good one mana cantrip, you know, one blue instant scry one draw card. I actually don't think this card sees enough play. I think in decks <laughs> with counter spells, it's better than cards like sleight of hand or serum visions. Because hmm. you just you, hold up your mana and then yeah, you, yeah, it just doesn't force you to tap your blue mana on your turn, which especially in multicolor decks can be taxing when you're trying to hold up counter spells. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and you get similar levels of card selection out of this. 
Yeah, I think the only time where sleight of hand and, and serum visions are better than this is on turn one, and then after that, I think you're you're happier to have opt in your hand than than either of those cards. Yeah. In, in in a deck that has counter spells as well. Yeah, in in like a pure combo deck where you're not trying to interact with your opponent, the the bonus you're getting from sleight of hand and serum visions is better. But. Yeah. Uh, so the next card we have to talk about is <laughs> Overflowing Insight. Okay. Uh, so this, how did this get in the list? Not I didn't put it here. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, so, Interesting. So, so this card gets into the the big mana blue decks. So basically, like the Tolarian Academy decks uh, like playing this card because it's a seven mana one sided draw seven. Yeah. And All right. a lot of the times, those Academy decks, you end up running this gambit where you're like. Make a bunch of mana, cast this draw seven, pray to God you didn't draw something that interacts with me now, right? Like a lot of the time, if you end up going mm. off into open mana, you can you can sometimes kind of get ruined. Uh, and Overflowing Insight solves one of those problems by making the, the draw seven no longer two-sided. You're the only one who gets it. It is expensive, which is why I don't think it sees play in basically anything else, right? Yeah. I was going to say, I saw this and I was like, there has got to be some deck that like cheats this. I, I, I don't know which deck it is, but yeah. I don't. I don't think you're cheating it. But the Tolarian Academy decks, as Liam said, yeah, a lot of I the can time, see them doing that. like a lot of the yeah. time, mana is not the constraint for no. that deck. It's it's hitting a business spell that wins you the game, and when you're casting draw sevens, your opponent not having the ability to interact with you, mm-hmm. and lots of times you give them like second <laughs> and sometimes third chances in a turn to interact with you when yeah. you're casting like Time Twister into Memory Jar. And then you spent the mana on this anyways. Hmm. So, like, lots of times you have more mana than you know what to do with, and you just need more more chances. Importantly, this this card also kills Doomsday players. (laughs) Target player. I'm sold. I kind of overlooked this, but no, you're totally right. I think it'll see play in those lists. Good call. Okay. Uh, Perilous Voyage. So it's a... one in a blue instant return target non-land permanent we, you don't control to its owner's hand. It's converted, if it's converted mana cost was two or less, scry two. So this is a, a good utility bounce spell. It returns any non-land permanent. Uh, it's it's kind of a bummer that you can't return your own things to save them from yeah, removal spells or whatever. And ideally you're bouncing stuff higher than than the cost of the spell, yeah. so you're getting a mana mana advantage out of it. You're getting up on tempo. Okay. But it is nice if you're bouncing something smaller that you do get the yeah, I mean, like the, 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 the day you use this to bounce Maratlage, you're feeling pretty good. Yeah, that's, like, that definitely bounce feels Bounce Maratlage, scry two. What is, yeah. the, what is the one with kicker? I can't remember. Into the, the Royal. Royal. Like, Into the Royal seems a lot of play in Highlander it's and the Jesco really tempo good. lists. So this is... This is I don't know if it's always going to take that slot, but it, it's nice to have that flexibility. I, I, I think this card is strictly worse than Into the Royal. Yeah, it's 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 not strictly worse, but I I don't see a a place where I'd play it over Into the Royal. I think it's if you want a like, second effect, a second one, and you don't see your deck getting to enough mana where Repulse is good yeah. enough. This this card is so or perfectly sorry. designed uh, to not be uh, broken. It's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> you repulse. never get ahead. Yeah. You never get ahead on tempo and scrying. You can either. Be neutral on tempo and get a scry, or you can bounce something that costs more than your bounce spell. But that's all. That's go. all you got. Yeah. 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 All right. Next up, we have search for Azcanta. I think I pronounced that right. Nice. So at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put it into the graveyard. Then, if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, you may transform it. And on the back is the Sunken Ruin. So this is kind of neat. Uh, I like this whole cycle of lands. Uh, this is the one that sort of lets you fuel more gas, so you reveal a non-creature non-land and put it into your hand. 
Uh, I think this whole cycle of cards is kind of neat. This is probably the clunkier of them all, but um, might see some play. I, mean, I looked at it, and it's like an enchantment that sort of scries one per turn. It seems almost effortless to flip it. And it, it comes down on two, which is fine. Three, right? It costs three mana? No, it's no, no, that's it a front size. It costs two. two. Oh, it costs two. Yeah, yeah that does make it better. I might play this in Bant Enchantress, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and, and it, it's nice that the front side is definitely better than scrying. Putting cards into your graveyard is, is yeah. much better than putting them on the bottom. Yeah. Uh, in terms of delve uh, and just having cards with flashback, giving cards flashback with Snapcaster Mage at, at all. Yeah, this, your Hulk. it is interesting. I mean, this set is full of sweet do-nothing enchantments. And there, this, there is always a cautionary element when you're casting a do-nothing enchantment uh, that it actually the, that the payoff is high enough. But what's nice about this one, and we'll come to other ones as well, is I think that they are often aggressively costed enough that casting them for and doing nothing with them on the turn you cast them uh, is gonna be okay, right? Like a two mana do nothing enchantment, like you can cast it on turn four and still have a counter spell up. So yeah, and that that's when I see playing this, not yeah, not on not... turn two. <laughs> But on on turn four, when you can cast it and another and hold up a counter spell, and you're already close to, to having the condition met, it is also pseudo ramp. Just yeah. flip into a mana producing land. Yeah, blue, blue mana producing land. Mm, even better. All right. Uh, is this me now? Yeah. Uh, Siren Storm Tamer, one blue for one one flyer, uh, and it has an activated ability for one blue sacrifice. It. Uh, counter target spell or ability that targets a creature you control. Or you. Or you. Or you. Yeah. yeah. This card's sweet. This is like the best flying man printed in a while. Yeah. It's like up there with um, Mausoleum, uh, Wanderer. Mausoleum Wanderer. Yeah. Like, so I'm sold on this card at the blue 1-1 one, one flying <laughs> because it goes straight into, you know, flying men, which yeah. is a is a sort of aggressive deck that plays a lot of 1-1 one, one flyers for one. Um, but it's got an ability that's kind of sweet. Yeah, maybe counter something important. It'll definitely come up. It, it counters discard spells, which is really nice, and burn spells. Counters Maze of Death. What? You can swing for lethal because spell it or ability. Right. That one turn for lethal, you've got your Rune Chanter's Pike on your one flyer, and you're like, nope, can't maze it. Holy moly! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. No, I'm sold. Yeah, that's that's hot. Uh, I get to talk about this fun, sweet card called Spell Pierce. <laughs> Some of you might have heard about it before. <laughs> it is a single blue instant that reads counter target non-creature spell unless its controller pays two. This effect seems good. It's a reprint. It is a reprint, yeah. So um, it's interesting, actually. Spell Pierce is a card sort of mired in controversy in the Highlander community, I is would actually it? say. Yeah. Um, a there are people who think that it is overplayed, and there are people who think it's underplayed. Uh, there are people who think it is uncuttable from any blue deck, and there are people who almost never play it. Uh, hmm. it's, it's, it's one of the most hmm. widely played and not played cards. Like, for instance, I don't remember the last time I played Spell Pierce. Uh, pro, pro tip if you're playing against me, probably not playing Spell Pierce. Uh, yeah. I mean, because I think in anything other than tempo, you just want a better counterspell. Um, but then there are other people who play it in everything. Yeah, I mean, like, it's one of the best one mana counterspells. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's certainly sorry. true. I, I play Spell Pierce a lot. In, in, I play it as a good defensive counterspell in combo decks because yeah. you really want to be able to interact for one mana. And you're often able to tax their mana by forcing them to play a threat and then go, being able to go off the turn after they try to play a threat and hold up a single counterspell. So often your Spell Pierce will be able to... The, the taxing effect on Spell Pierce will be good enough. It also super sucks against fair decks just trying to stick a turn four Planeswalker. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. Without ramping, and they're just I, like, Ugh. I mean, you do often get people, right? Like, I, and I, I don't think this card is bad by any means. Um, but I, I don't like playing it in control decks, for instance, and I don't really like playing it in mid-range decks that much either. Um, it's better in mid-range decks, but in control decks, I, I would rather just have a, a better two-mana counterspell uh, a lot of the time. Uh, what I will say, this new art, very good. Uh, I know there's often a lot of complaining about new art, but this one is just fine by me. I love this art. It's sick. Cool. Jer. All right. <sighs> Spell <fixed> swindle. <sighs> I'm so I'm, excited. I, <laughs> they fixed mana drain. No. I mean, th this, this card is actually another really interesting card for Academy decks, because Academy decks often want to play a couple counter spells. But yep. they have they have to do stuff, yeah. and most notably, this card creates artifact tokens. Yeah, potentially <laughs> a lot of them. Potentially a lot of them. So if you're countering like a five mana spell or even a four mana spell, this is potentially netting you eight mana off Academy because you can tap Academy then sacrifice the treasure tokens. But even if you're saving it to counter a really important spell like a counter spell on the combo turn, not being down that much mana is often a huge deal for the Academy deck, yeah. and which is why they, they'll typically only play... You'll see lots of Academy lists only playing Mana Drain well, as the literal only counterspell they play in their deck. And, and the, the one thing that is really important is that it makes the mana immediately, as opposed yeah. to uh, getting tricky with oh, next main yeah. phase or anything like that. So as a defensive counterspell, it's way better, because oh, oh. it doesn't actually cost five a lot of the time. Also, making colored mana is yeah. super relevant. When, right. you, when oh. you get the tokens? like Immediately. Upon resolution. Upon resolution. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Still pretty sweet. Next up, we got the Stormfleet Aerialist. This is a 1-2 flyer for two. Uh, notably, it has raids. So if you attack the previous turn, it comes into play with a plus one, plus one counter. I think this card's going to be great, again, in the Flying Man archetype. I don't think it's going to see too much play outside of it, because it doesn't quite do enough, but I think it's going to be a solid it's addition it's in the archetype. basically a 2-3 flyer for three. I yeah, think, in that list. I think it could see play in, in blue-red tempo decks. Mm -hmm. Alrighty. Uh, Blood Crazed Paladin. Time for a new color. Yep. Uh, one in a black for a 1-1 one, one with Vampire with Flash. Uh, it enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each creature that died this turn. So, this one's tricky, yeah. but like it, it might see play. Um, I think what Ben was talking about uh, with this is that like black is always on the lookout for any remotely playable two-drop um, in, in, you know, aggro and what have you. Um, this one's pretty underwhelming unless you can like get some sort of death triggers going on um, or maybe offering uh, trades with your opponent you know you maybe flash this in as a 3-3 three, three. Um, what I'm interested in this card for is aristocrats oh yeah like I'm gonna be prepared to be underwhelmed by it but it could be sweet you might have a one one for two a lot of the time if you if you top deck it but there's the, there's the dream where it comes into play huge yeah it's yeah. also good against Wraths, right? <clears throat> if you if you get Wrath, then you cast this. Yeah, it's sort of got, like a Color of the Claw-esque yeah. ability. Yeah. Nice for that, too. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You got another reprint. Great. Duress. So this card, single black mana. Hear me out, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a non-creature, non-land card from it. That player discards that card. Now, I think this card is okay. Uh, it's probably pretty good. We'll have to see. Uh, no, okay, but this card's actually, it's quite good. Like, um, this is sort of like one of those sort of holy trinity yep. of, of one mana discard spells that you typically play. What are the other ones? Uh, Inquisition of Kozilek and yeah. Thoughtseize, though yeah. I will say that I cut Inquisition of Kozilek all the time. Hmm. Uh, really? Yeah, I think Duress is better. 
Um, wow, that's high praise for duress. Yeah. So this card is it's it's basically good in any black deck, right? Like discard is one of the reasons to be in black. Yeah. Uh, and duress is, I think, a, a really nice archetype of what discard should be. Um, it's it's somewhat situational, can't hit everything, uh, and typically you're actually you're still trading one for one all the time. Um, but in this case, you're often going to get ahead on mana, or you get to have sort of like somewhat surgical precision in terms of what you take out. This card's really good in combo decks. Uh, it's pretty good in, in control decks as well. And, and I mean, like I said, basically any black deck is going to play this card. Yeah, it's like good. aggro plays this card and control plays this card. Yep. It's just good. All right. Kite Sail Freebooter. Ooh, if you like so, Duress. Yeah. If I, you like Ms. I, I really like this card. It's a flying 1-2, and when it enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a non-creature, non-land card from it. Hmm, that sounds familiar. It does, it does. Uh, exile that card until Kite Sail Freebooter leaves the battlefield. So it's if you're familiar with Mesmeric Fiend or Tide Hollow Sculler, it's very similar to those cards. Yeah. It is Duress instead of a pseudo Duress instead of a pseudo Thoughtseize, which is a little bit of a bummer sometimes. But this card will definitely see some play. It being it having flying is super relevant because it'll it carries equipment much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just able to chip in damage, pressure planeswalkers. This card will Definitely see play, especially over Mesmeric Fiend. Oh yeah, like Mesmeric Fiend has not, I've not seen it in a deck in a long time, and like I could see this one showing up. I don't know, maybe we see a renaissance of uh, mono black aggro after this. Yeah, one. that's possible, definitely get some hits for that deck. All right, next up we have the Rune Raider. Oh, the big, the biggest hit for that deck. Three mana, three two with raid. At the beginning of your end step, if you attacked with a creature of this deal, this turn, Deal? pardon me, reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand, lose life equal to its converted end step. I heard this described as... as converted mana cost. What did I say? End step. Oh. Um, it's Slow ki- down! It's kind of like Bob. It, it, uh, I, I mean, every time one of these effects comes out, it's obviously compared to Dark Confidant. Uh, the fact that it's at three and you have to trigger it obviously makes it not quite as good as Dark Confidant. But I, I disagree. But I think, but I think this will see... Um, this card will be included in a lot of the same lists that want to play Dark Confidant. I think this is the best pseudo-bob they've printed in a long time. I agree. Because I, we're comparing it to, um, what's the vampire, the three one? Asylum Visitor. Asylum Visitor, sure, yeah. Painseer, Painseer. Uh, Glint Sleeve Siphoner. Ugh. The list goes down very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can draw the turn this guy comes down. Because you're probably getting in, a, in with creatures uh, in the kind of deck that wants to play this, um, he triggers himself. You know, even it, it, like even, uh, it's just, I like this card. Well, it's, it's going to see play. What's and, nice too is that you can chump attack, right? You can attack with things that aren't this, and even if the attack is bad, you still get to draw a card. Like that's one of the issues yeah, that you, you run into with a lot of the new bobs is that mm. they need to attack themselves or get tapped somehow or whatever. Well, it's also and this you, doesn't. You play this post combat, um, and you're just like, haha, and then I draw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. And and something relevant to point out is that it triggers the same time that Bob would same turn that Bob would trigger. Like Bob doesn't trigger until turn three. Same turn is hmm. this. Admittedly, you don't get the card until your turn four. Until so. the next turn, yeah. But it, if you draw an instant, it's the same turn. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Uh, uh, vicious conquistador. Yeah, I was talking about uh, mono black. Um, these are, I think these cards are always sort of on the fence because the uh, you you really want to have something that has two actual power. Yeah. yeah. This card's a, a one two for one black. Whenever it attacks, each opponent loses one life. Um, there's a bunch of cards similar to this. 
uh, I can't remember them off the top of my Pulse head. Tracker. Pulse, tracker, Pulse Tracker, Mardu, Shadow Reaper. Something like that. Well, they're they're yeah. like one ones that when they attack, they like nug your opponent for one. Yeah. Um, maybe there's a deck that plays a critical density of these and all the two ones, and just every game goes like turn one guy with sort of two power, turn two, two guys with sort of two power. Yeah. yeah. And just like has an incredible consistency. Yeah, I mean, I, I was the one who put this on the list. Uh, and the only reason I, I wanted to talk about it is I do think the second point of toughness is relevant. Because mm -hmm. uh, this, is, this is definitely the best pulse tracker they've ever printed. Well, yeah. this is almost a functional reprint of uh, Thornbow Archer. Uh, Which is also a one-two. It's also a one-two, but that one dealt damage when you cast elf spells or something, right? I don't think so. No, I, I, I think it's the same. I think it's the same is thing. It? The the noticeable yeah, thing about, elf, about yeah. these cards, though, although you're hitting for two if they get in, it doesn't trade as efficiently, which no. is sort of the downside. Yeah, yeah, sure. So if a blocker comes up, you can only trade with the next one, whereas a, a true two-two for one would be able to trade with something for two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to red. I'm kind of excited about that, Liam. Yeah, so the first card in red we're talking about is Captain Lannery Storm. Ha ha! This one's also a reprint. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, this, <laughs> so this is a three mana, it's two and a red for a, for a hasty 2-2. Two -two. That says, whenever Captain Lannery Storm attacks, create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap, sacrifice this artifact, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Uh, and whenever you sacrifice a, ca uh, a treasure, uh, this creature, Captain Lannery Storm, gets plus one, plus oh, until end of turn. So, um, basically this can always attack as a as a 3-2, yeah. which is pretty relevant, and getting to stock up the mana, uh, pretty nice. And the fact that it has haste is, is also a big deal. If you're paying three mana beep, beep. in red, you really want to be doing things immediately. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how high I am on this card, to be honest. I think it's fine. I don't think it's incredible. It's pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. That's yeah. definitely true. Yeah. And it, it maybe starts pushing you farther and farther towards being able to play uh, something similar to like Koldotha Red, where you have this like sort of artifact red uh, mm. kind of multicolor deck where you're playing a yeah, bunch of yeah, artifact yeah. matter like, stuffs. I've thought about building that deck, but I just don't know if it has the density of cards yet. I'm not sure well, it's there either, but this helps. I'm getting there. This, this makes is, an artifact. Yeah. So. This is no Goblin Rabble Master, though, that's no. for sure. No. <laughs> All right, next card, Fiery Cannonade. Uh, so two and a red, instant. Fiery Cannonade deals two damage to each non-pirate creature. So the non-pirate clause isn't going to come up much in Highlander. It's virtually just deals two damage to each creature. Uh, and the fact that it's an instant and only a single red is a big deal, because mm. that means it's very splashable, yeah. especially in blue decks that want to hold up mana, and the blue decks that are often weak to go-wide strategies, such as yeah, elves uh, or goblins. There's similar effects to this that are like one red-red. There's, was it? Volcanic Follow. Yeah, that's the one. And they did they did print Kozilek's Return, which does something similar to this, but... Yeah. But yeah, it's just, just another one, right? Just, like, yeah. just if, another one. Kozilek's Return, see some play. This will see some play. Yeah. Not dealing damage to you is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is the Rampaging Frostodon. Oh, oh boy. Three, three for three with Menace. Players can't gain life. And whenever another creature enters the battlefield, Rampaging Frostodon deals one damage to that creature's control controller. Goodness. This card is fantastic oh, in, in red aggro decks. The can't gain life clause is really good. Um, what a lot of green decks want to do to sort of stabilize is play their Kitchen Finks and their Thrag Tusks and sort of get their life back out out of range. So if you can play aggressively as a red deck and then land this on turn three or turn four, it's really, really tough for the, the defending player to sort of get that back. 
Uh, Menace will let you sneak through for those last couple points of damage, making the, the end blockers tough. This and, card's so nuts. And even if you try and cast a, a number of blockers to get around Menace, you're getting pinged every time you do. I think this card is fantastic and is going to see a lot of play in the aggro deck. like, what if Sulfuric Vortex could get in for three and punished you for playing creatures to keep it from getting in for three? Yeah. yeah I, I agree this card's really good, but one thing to point out is that both effects are symmetrical. So you... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but they've been printing a lot of cards right now with without the symmetry, like Harsh Mentor. Mm. And so the symmetry on this card will be relevant sometimes. Like, sometimes you'll play this card and then you'll lock yourself out of playing creatures. Yeah, that's fair. In, in an aggressive mirror, so... Yeah. I really like how Watsi has moved towards using Menace as an aggressive, uh, like... Uh, sort of vanilla ability to give creatures. Like we've seen a, a huge uptick in the number of of menace creatures mm -hmm. after they after they made it this like much nicer to understand evergreen word. They clearly decided that it was easier to use now. Mm -hmm. And I think that the menace uh, mechanic on things like this is really nice, especially in the burn decks where you can force your opponents into these like really awkward double block situations where you're playing against this deck that is presumably playing 15 lightning bolts mm -hmm. and you're double blocking and you're probably getting blown out, right? But you just have to double block because you can't just take three from this thing forever. Hmm. So I, I, I really like the way that Menace plays with, with red and with black as well. They've been doing it with black as well a bunch too. Speaking I like of it. red aggro creatures, Rigging mm. Runner. Love it. Yeah. One red for a 1-1 one, one goblin pirate with first strike and it's got raid. <laughs> it enters with a plus one, plus one counter on it if you attacked with a creature this turn. Man, what this tribe likes so attacking? Good. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a... a Windmill slam dunk into goblins and oh, yeah. also into like any red based aggressive deck. Oh, yeah, it's just it's another uh, two two for one, those, and it's even got a keyword on it. I was gonna say those first two words in the text box first strike. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant goblin pirate. Interesting, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it being a goblin is also super relevant, yeah, but first yeah. strike, I think, is. I think what maybe Jared was yeah, going for yeah, here yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, for text box, not type line. I'm just teasing, yeah. um, yeah, but. That a, a lot of the red decks can end up getting brick walled by f white first striking creatures. So being able to combat it with their own first strike creatures super relevant, just for getting them off the board in trades. And the fact that it has first strike also makes its worst case scenario scenario uh, a lot better. Like when if this card doesn't have first strike and you're playing it as either a two two or a one one, yeah, playing it for as a one one is awful, and you basically never want to do it. But playing a 1-1 with first strike can actually matter, right? Like, if you're playing the Red Mirror and your opponent has led with, like, um, a Fire Drinker Seder or something, or some other 2-1, sure, uh, yeah. you get to just slam this and all of a sudden you're in control of the board. So the, the first strike makes the fail scenario a lot better, I think. Ooh, excellent. I get, or is it this you or me? I think uh, it's you. It's, you. It, it's me. Perfect. Uh, so this is Trove of Temptation. How did this card get in here? Oh, uh, Sam. Yeah, I know, I know. I, know. I put it here. <laughs> so this is the card I'm I'm second most excited about. Uh, There's a lot of words on this card. Yeah, so I will read them to you. So it's <laughs> it's three and a red for a, a enchantment that does nothing to turn it into the battlefield. Uh, that's not okay. actually true. It does do a thing. But so each opponent must attack you or planeswalker you control with at least one creature each combat if able. Excuse me. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, create a, a colorless treasure artifact token with tap, sacrifice this artifact, gain a mana of any color. So, why? Yeah, just I, why? Okay. <laughs> so, hear me out. Um, I think that in mid-range decks, jumping up on mana, making a little bit of extra mana every turn, 
uh, is actually pretty valuable in a couple of matchups. But it's at four. I agree. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> I, I have my reasons. I think that in the mid-range mirror, jumping ahead on mana is pretty relevant. And I think in the control matchups, being able to stockpile mana is actually super relevant. Being able to go into turns where you can cast two spells or sometimes even three spells can matter a bunch. The other thing is that you can build your deck so that a race is always good for you. Um, and this forces your opponent to race you. Hmm. Um, so you get to put your opponent into situations where, let's say you play some under-costed three drop on turn three and your opponent plays something that actually doesn't beat it, but they had to play it anyway. Um, then you play this and all of a sudden they have to attack into your creature that's bigger than theirs. So you actually like the top line. I was going to say, why would you play this and not Awakening Zone or, or something? Or Braid of Fire. Right. <laughs> well, Braid of Fire makes the mana in your upkeep. Hmm. Uh, oh, that's less good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, it, it is the fact that it combines two effects that I think are maybe good that makes me interested in trying it. Okay. I, I right. certainly don't think this card is a Windmill Slam, but I, I'm interested in this card. It, it is flashy enough that I, I think it might be kind of cool. All right. Hammer time. Excellent. All right, now we just talk about the good cards. I'm super excited <laughs> about this, this card. This is one of my favorite cards, too. Yeah, Vance's Blasting Cannons. Three and a red for a legendary enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. If it's a non-land card, you may cast it this that card this turn. So notably, can't, can't play lands off of yep. it. Kind of a bummer. Uh, but it also has more text. Whenever you cast your third spell in a turn, you may transform Vance's Blasting Cannons. So it's sort of pseudo-drawing you a card every turn on the front side. Then on the back side, it's Spitfire Bastion, Legendary Land. Tap, add red to your mana pool. Two and a red, and tap. Spitfire Bastion deals three damage to target creature or player. So on the back wow. side, repeatable open fire. Okay. Which is super good. I'm, I'm super stoked to jam this card into B Big Red, which is a, a deck that's really good at casting many spells in a turn with, like, Signets, Talismans, yeah. Dragons... Deck, deck is great at producing lots of mana and dumping its hand real quick. And it, it has other ways to draw multiple cards in a turn. So if you have this coercive portal and a draw step, you're you're often drawing three castable spells in a turn already. So I love the art flavor on this card. It's so insane. The like first part is like hollowing out the canyon, and then the second part is like we built a fortress in the canyon. What are you gonna do now? Yeah. It's so cool. All right, let's move on to green. Our first green card we're going to talk about is the Carnage yes. Tyrant. <laughs> six mana, seven six. Trample hexproof can't be countered. At first, That's I, it. <laughs> at first I thought this card was kind of cute and wasn't going to see a lot of playable, but then, but then Jaren and Liam were like, "Are you kidding me? This shuts down every control deck. Like, Jeskai can't beat this card. Jeskai plays uh, spot removal and counter spells, and they just fold to this card. They so one I think I think this is going to go in mid range." Council's Judgment. Yep. Oh, pardon me. They have one out, right. But this has... I think this is so going to go in mid-range. <laughs> I think, I think depending on the on the meta, maybe Hoof might put it in, maybe not. I don't know. It, maybe if they're worried about the matchup there. But this card is going to make some waves. Yeah, this deck... This card demolishes blue decks. We'll also go see play in ramp decks for sure. Yeah, just yeah. like maybe um, red-green or like... Red-green uh, or rug. Or, yeah, rug or, or, or blue-green like, ramp. Yeah, Samic ramp. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's oh, just wait. it's just so insane in the blue, against the blue it's decks. It's so hard for blue decks to interact with this card at all. Yeah. How about Death Gorge Scavenger? Oh yeah. Uh, this is two and a green for three two. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, you may exile target card from a graveyard. If a creature card is exiled in this way, you gain two life. If a non-creature card is exiled this way, it gets plus one plus one until end of turn. So, this is like a little bit like scavenging ooze. 
but it's like ETB and on attack. Um, like, even a shadow of scavenging ooze, I could see seeing some amount of play. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that card is, well, I mean, it's like the, the number one played card in our format, isn't it? Pretty it was close. For it's, a while, yeah. it's definitely the best green card. Yeah, I mean, I like it. It, it hates out graveyards. It sometimes, like, it could pretty frequently attack as a 4 3. Yeah. For three, so yeah, and it, and notably it exiles cards from any graveyard. So if if it's better to exile like a non-creature card from your graveyard to get it the plus one plus one, you can do that. Uh, and also incidental graveyard hate in this format is just super super it's good, especially if it's good. stapled to a, a, a body. Yeah. Uh, as, as like Deathrite Shaman and Scavenging is being two of the most played creature cards in our format mm -hmm. shows like incidental graveyard hate on a body is. Yeah. Super valuable. That's why Marty Woweeper is the only one white two one that they still play that, yeah. that doesn't have additional text. Like mm -hmm. it's the fact it's the incidental graveyard hate that makes it good enough to still play. Yeah, we we actually don't play Savannah Lion super often anymore. That's not no. Those not days have come and gone. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, is me or is you? Uh, it's you, Liam. Is me. Great deep root champion. So uh, this yeah. card is also a reprint. I'm kidding, uh, <laughs> but it's sort of a reprint. This time I'm only half joking. So deep root champion is a one in a green. For a Merfolk Shaman, uh, the Merfolk subtype might matter. The Shaman subtype maybe <coughs> probably probably not matter. No. There's yeah. some sweet Shaman cards that exist, but so whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you put up one-one counter on Deeproot Champion, and it's a one-one. So the the closest analog to this card is probably something like Query and Dryad, which is uh, the same stat line and the same cost, except the text on that one reads: Whenever you cast essentially a non-green spell. Uh, or sorry, a spell that contains a colored, colored spell that's in yeah, that yeah. isn't only mono green. It, it's, it's very verbose. Yeah, that, it's but well, but actually, maybe that's the best way to explain it. It's whenever you cast a blue, red, black, or white spell, it gets a one-one counter. Yeah. So this is going to be similar. It it's a little worse, um, but the decks that we're playing, Queen yeah. Dryad, are likely getting th this to a similar size. I was going to say, like in Sorathson, this is probably going to be almost exactly the same because you're triggering both of those off of like primarily blue spells. Yep. And it yeah. works best. Uh, Alex, really quickly, what is Sorensen? That's sort Sorry, of a, Sorenson, a local jargon Sorenson term. Sorensen yeah. is a um, uh, blue-green tempo deck pioneered by Robin Sorensen, a local player. Um, it basically it's it's Miracle Grow, which is to say you stick a threat like this that becomes larger over time, and you protect it with cheap counter spells that sometimes have the incidental effect of helping it get larger over time. Yeah. All right. On to the next card. The Growing Rites of Itlimok. <laughs> Another legendary enchantment. Mm -hmm. My favorite. Mm -hmm. when, when the Growing Rites of it Itlimok enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So, most notably, this card replaces itself when it enters the battlefield. That's yeah. super good. Not yep. actually a do-nothing enchantment. Yeah. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does something. Yeah. Shock. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, if you control four or more creatures, transform Growing Rites of Itlamok. So on the back side, Itlamok, Cradle of the Sun. Cradle. Mm -hmm. Cradle. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's an interesting had, word choice. <laughs> has, yeah. has two mana abilities. Tap, add green to your mana pool. Kay. Tap, add green to your mana pool for each creature you control. Beep, beep. So that is the line of text we are <laughs> playing this card for. So the, the most obvious this uh, deck this card fits into is the the Crater Hoof deck, the yep. like deck that play. it's like a, a green-based creature deck that plays Expedition Map, strictly to find Gaia's Cradle. Mm -hmm. So 
That effect is super good in this deck. It's so powerful. It was yeah. kind of funny in the comments for this. I saw somebody who was just like, why would you want this when you have four creatures? It's like... Uh, to kill them. Because then I can I don't, cast I don't think Cradle you Book. understand how Gaia's Cradle works. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's... so get, being able to like cast eight drops with only having two lands in play is, is super powerful and an effect that the hoof deck definitely wants more of. All right, next up we have the Kamina's Speaker. I think that's how you pronounce that. So this card's kind of borderline. Again, again, we get into the Merfolk Shaman. This is a 1-1 one, one for 1, but as long as you control an island or a Merfolk, it's a 2-2 two, two for 1. So we've been talking before in aggro decks, a 2-2 two, two for 1 is great. Maybe not in green is the hard part. So well, it, Not in green-blue. Yeah, in green-blue... We, we, we have Sorensen, it typically wants to play the Grow Threats, but this is a card that might see play. A 2-2 two, two for 1 is fine. There might there just might not be the shell for this one yet. So, um... The Raptors. Ranging Raptors. Oh, yeah. uh, 2 and a green for a 2-3 with Enrage. Whenever it attacks, or whenever it's dealt damage, you may search your library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield, tap, then shuffle your library. <clears throat> Aggro ramp? Ramp aggressively? Seems fine, maybe? Yeah. It's even a good defensive creature. Yeah, this Jared and I talked about this card a little bit, and that's that's the conclusion we came to as well. Is like it's nice if you just get to play this and block and it ramps. It's also pretty insane if you play this in like a green red deck, um, and you get to like cast Pyroclasm with this in play or Ooh. something of that ilk. Uh, like if this ever gets two lands, it's actively very, very good. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay. I never thought about this in Pyroclasm. That's kind of spicy. Yeah, I like I mean, that. It's like that three toughness is really where it's at. Yeah. 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 So, so that's kind of sweet. You can also do things like when this is in your deck, you can Arc Trail, deal one damage to it, two damage to one of their creatures. You get some incidental value. Okay. Um, it's just like getting a basic land is actually like a pretty big deal. Hmm. Uh, of the Enrage effects, this is definitely up there as one of the better ones. Yeah. Uh, and so as a result, it's, it's aggressively costed enough, it's three mana. Again, it probably doesn't get into a ton of decks, but this is definitely one with some high upside scenarios. And the downside scenarios aren't that bad either, right? Even if it just trades in combat, or gets eaten, even. You know, if it has to make a jump attack, you still get to ramp with it. Uh, you're up again. Great. Uh, this is the better Enrage effect. This is actually the best one. So this is Ripjaw Raptor. This is two green green for a dinosaur that is a 4-5 that has Enrage. Whenever Ripjaw Raptor is dealt damage, draw a card. Uh, this card's actively, I think, quite good. 4-5 um, is like a big enough stat line that you cannot ignore this card. You must block it. And chump blocking this card is horrendous. It's right? real bad. If you mm -hmm. stick 1-1s one under the bus against this, uh, you're just drawing your opponent into more gas. That's obviously not going to work. This card combos really nicely too, I think, with pump spells. You can maybe set them up in situations where they set up some blocks planning to kill it. Um, Did you draw two cards off of this? Like it counts no. each? No, damage, damage happens Damage all happens that. simultaneously. Yeah. But Unless if they, if they, line they up block a first with striker, a first striker. Yeah. 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 And there's two instances. But, um, but yeah, so like, you know, they line up some blocks planning to kill it, then you grow it, you draw a card from it still getting dealt damage. So that, that pump spell will often replace oh, itself. Oh man, running this into Mirren Crusader is so hot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. guess that's true. Uh, that's Would you like but, to block my creature and draw two cards? Yeah, draw me two <laughs> cards. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so anyway, this card's really sweet. I think the Enrage effect is really good. It has the best three cards in Magic. 
Uh, whenever, Draw cards. Three. Three well, I, I was going to say dinosaur whenever and damage. Okay. <laughs> I, assume, I assume everyone here is yeah, yeah, referring yeah. to the same thing. Draw a card. Yeah. <clears throat> Draw a card is very powerful. So this card's great. I, I expected to see a non-zero amount of play. All right. Well, that's the end for our Wooburg section. Uh, now let's move on to Colorless. Sorceress Spyglass. Yeah. Uh, so this is a two-mana artifact. As Sorceress Spyglass enters the battlefield, look at an opponent's hand, then choose any card name. Activated abilities of sorcery of sources with the chosen name can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. So it's very similar text to Pithing Needle with the upside that you get to look at their hand and potentially name any cards with activated abilities in their hand. Uh, I actually think this makes it a pretty playable card in Highlander because I think. Yeah, I wonder if it's maybe like more playable than Pithing Needle because like you peek their hand and you can name like their Planeswalker and they never get to take it up. Yeah, that that's that's really hot. Also, being able to name fetch lands that are in their hand, especially oh, if you're casting this on turn you, two, you no longer just have to it have to read the non land. Oh, yeah, it's oh it's it's Python needle. Python needle is that as well. Yeah, okay. and so you can yeah. spy out their fetch land and snipe wow. it. Uh, it also just looks at their hand, which is powerful. At first, I, I didn't like yeah. this card because you can't get it with trinket mage, and I didn't think you'd ever spend a tutor to find this, but. Oh, Serge, how oh, are you ever going to find an artifact that costs two? I was going to say, well, that the, da the downside on this is that it's not trinket mageable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or treasure mageable. Sorry. Um, trophy mageable. Trophy mageable. Trophy mageable. No, well, trophy yeah. mage yeah, is yeah, a yeah. real playable card these days. It yeah. is. So it's seeing bit, more and more play. Just yeah. But I, I, I definitely foresee myself playing this card a bunch, especially in more controlling strategies, because mm -hmm. lots of times I want to play Pithing Needle, but as Alex mentioned, like, you really want to be proactive with your answers in that deck, and you don't want them to get incidental value before you answer their right. thing. Right. Like that, that really sucks. Especially playing blue, you just want all the advantage to yourself. Yeah. Uh, so, being able to like proactively answer their threat. All right. Well, next up, we have the treasure map, and this is another one of the cards I'm really excited for in this one. So, two mana artifact. Pay one, tap, scry one. Then put a landmark counter on treasure map. If there are three or more landmark counters on it, remove those counters, uh, flip it, and create three treasures. So a lot of text on the front half. And on the other side, we have... More text. More text. You get a colorless land, sacrifice a treasure, draw a card. Actually, this isn't the one I thought it was. I thought this was the one that was Maze of Ith. Less excited about this card. It's kind of clunky. It's a little bit slow to flip. Um, I, 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 I put the wrong card in. That's a little bit embarrassing. I think this card is slow and, and probably not Highlander playable. I take back everything I said. I thought this turned into Maze of It. I thought this was the one that turned into Maze of It. So, Maze of It. So this card actually might be playable in Academy as well. Really? It's so slow. I don't think so. It's pretty slow. It's so dirty. It, it ramps you a bunch on like turn five. Yeah. Maybe you play it in... What in, I meant to say yeah. is check out the Thalmeric Compass. <laughs> thalmatic. So the Thalmatic Compass, right. Three, tap, search your library for basic land, reveal it, put it in your hand. At your end step, if you have seven or more lands, transform it. And on the back of this card is the Spires of Orzaka. Orazka? I'm sorry. This is basically Maze of Ith number two. I think this card is great. You can find it with the the mage thingy that you were talking about. Treasure mage. The no. tre um, <laughs> trophy mage. Trophy mage. Oh, God. It's uh, awful. I have a part. lot of decks that I'm going to want to play two Maze of Ith in. I like this card a lot. I like the other one less. <laughs> that was very silly. Let's move on. Best laid plans of let's, Mice and Men, let's, man. Let's bring it back to... With Buddy Lens. Um, this is a cycle of reprints. So it's Dragon Skull Summit, Drowned Catacomb, Glacial Fortress, oh, Rootbound Crag, yeah. and Sun Petal Grove, all with oh. new arts. Um, this is a cycle of allied color uh, dual lands that enter the battlefield tapped unless you control 
um, a a land of the of the types that it taps for. So, for example, Sun Petal Grove um, taps for green or white, and it enters the battlefield uh, tapped unless you control a forest or a plains. These are really easy to to have enter uh, untapped because they check for basics and non basics alike. Um, they're also really easy on the wallet. Yeah, <laughs> and they're just they're yeah. just good. These are like. Yeah, very good, very playable Really duels. affordable duels that yeah. go into every deck. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about the art for a second, because oh, yeah. I really love the art for these yeah. new cards. Normally I'm not one to go with new art, but I think I'm going to switch all my old versions to I'm certainly switching some arts. of mine. I like the Drowned... Is it Drowned Catacomb in blue-black in this one? Yeah. yeah. I, I oh, that is pretty love awesome. that one. Yeah. I love yeah. that one so much. It looks so good. Yeah. It looks so good. For me, these are the fifth best duel events in Highlander. All right. Uh, the four before them being um, fetches, original duels, shock lands, and then the fast lands. I think contextually are better than these, but after that, I think these are our fifth and then fourth in some decks. I think these are a really good duel lands. Right. Definitely. Uh, I get to talk about Field of Ruin. Oh boy! So this taps for colors, and then for two mana and tapping it and sacrificing it, you can destroy target non-basic land an opponent controls. Man, I get all the reprints. No, no, no. Uh, each player searches his or her library for a basic land and puts it onto the battlefield, then shuffles his or her library. So here's a couple of important things about this card. A, uh, it replaces itself as a land, which is really nice. Yeah. Uh, it, often, it, it sort of solves the classic control deck playing wasteland problem, which is you want to hit your land drops and you want your mana, but play and playing wasteland is kind of antithetical to that, to that idea. Uh, this kind of solves that problem. The other nice thing about this is uh, it is not a may to shuffle to search your deck and shuffle. So oh. you can really blow out someone's tutor here if they if they put something on top. I didn't you can, read that. Yeah, you can force them to shuffle. Mm -hmm. They don't they don't get a choice. Wow. So so that's quite nice. I'm as like, well. wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> Are we the only ones who didn't read that line? I didn't read that line. Oh wow. That's actually really. That's tough. so much better. So well, that's I was, why you brought us on. I was on board we, with this we read card cards already because <laughs> uh, I get a lot of people asking me if Ghost Quarter is good enough in Highlander, and I'm like, no. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, like, like I, I don't do that, but okay. like, it's yeah, okay. it's really in a format where strip mine and wasteland exist, and even like tech edge exist. Ghost Quarter is just so bad. Yeah, I think, I think Field of Ruin is going to but retire one, tech edge. Yeah, well, potentially. Yeah, maybe. I, it's some decks will play both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it another neat, neat thing is that the lands don't come in tapped, so that. It, you get like a one mana you, rebate. Yeah, once you can activate it, really it only costs you one in tap because you're mm. getting a land back out. So in, in blue decks where you're wanting to hold up counter magic again, pretty relevant. Yep. Sure. Yeah, this card's sweet. I think it's going to see a bunch of play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, I'm excited about this next one. Moving on to multicolor. Oh, oh, oh. Hostage Taker. Errated. Two it's blue errated. Black. Wait, what? Yeah, yep. it, it is. We'll, I'll oh, talk about that in a second. What? Two yeah. blue black. What, what, what? Creature, human, pirate for a 2-3. So four mana, 2-3, not super exciting. Let's look at the text box. Human pirate. No, wait. That's the not the right box. text box. We did it again. <laughs> when hostage stater enters the battlefield, exile target artifact or creature. You'll know so it doesn't say another. Two relevant, yeah. <sighs> two relevant types. Until hostage taker leaves the battlefield. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana, so or any, mana of any color to cast that spell. So the reason it was errated, I guess we'll talk about that first. Uh, it, it is because the lack of the word another target artifact or creature, so it can target itself until it leaves the battlefield, and then it would come back, and then it can target itself. 
And Sorry. if it's the only legal target, do, 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 you're stuck in a loop. It would infinitely come into play over and over and over and over. Because there's no may either. It would target itself, then it would leave the battlefield, then it would come back, then it would target itself, then it would leave the battlefield. It draws the game. Uh, only if there's no other yeah, targets. Yeah, if there are no other targets. Um, and so the reason, the reason I like this card, so per, let, we're going to pretend the, that the another, another is there. Uh, so this is a great removal spell. It exiles. It's like a Fiend Hunter effect. But it's got the a uh, really nice mechanic to take away the downside of the Fiend Hunter effect, in that your opponent probably isn't going to get their thing back. You're probably going to get to cast it. Like they have to kill it right away, or else if they're you, not. If you take their mocks, then you just get their mocks oh, rest of the game. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, if, if it's cheap enough that you can play this and the spell that you took, okay, then then it's just a like a sorcery that yeah. takes their card forever and you have a 2-3. Or like, even on 5 mana, take their Deathrite Shaman, cast their Deathrite Shaman. Like, yeah. there's so many powerful plays you can make with this card. And the 2-3 and the body is actually pretty good enough at blocking against Eggard decks that it's, I think it's going to see some play. Furthermore, the cast-it-yourself clause makes control of that permanent permanent. Yeah. Yeah, they don't get it back when this is killed. Correct. No. Yeah. Which is Provided you cast a, down, it, a downside yeah. of a lot of uh, blue style uh, mind control effects, but yeah. not on this one. I'm excited to hear about someone losing their time vault to this card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so up now we have Huatli the Warrior Poet. Now, now, first off, I didn't think this was very good, but Jer did. So I'm actually going to let Jer talk about this card because I don't, I don't see the value in this card. All right. So I wasn't super sure on this card, but I, I, I was like, eh, I, I don't know. I was really on the fence, but I talked to my friend. Kevin Bosta, who plays uh, red green Naya monster styles decks a lot, and he he's really excited about this card. So he's really excited for these reasons. I got him to go over it with me. Five mana. It, it's five mana, okay. but it, it comes down it, and it can be really good at stabilizing you against aggro with the the plus. He's often good at these decks are often good at having uh, one creature in play at least by that that time, and your creatures are often big enough, so you're often gaining four or more life off hmm. the plus two. Uh, if you're not super far behind, it, it's really good at creating a pretty big board presence. And he's really, really excited about the minus X, being able to ping three things and let him alpha strike yeah. for the win. Could just be, hmm. could so just be he, falter when it needs to be. Yeah, he's really excited about it, potentially cleaning up boards, potentially stabilizing him. He, he just loves the utility of it. Hmm. And, okay. and for five mana, uh, those decks play Moxes, they play mana dorks. So, yeah, okay. They're they're pretty pretty have a lot of mana sources in them already. He yeah, doesn't think casting it'll be too big a problem. Couching in those terms, yeah, I'm definitely gonna lose to this card. Yeah. That's right. unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> in wait, that's hmm? No, we have the infuriated, infuriated Gladiodon. Read that card. Wait, what? It's the same card. Is it really? Huh. Raging Sword Tooth. Did we get it uh, get it written down wrong? What is the... All right, sure. We have the Raging Sword Raging Tooth. Raging Sword Tooth. Three red-green for a 5-5 five, five with Trample. That's pretty hot. When it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to each other creature. Ooh. Yeah, okay. I think the same deck wants this. Yeah? Yeah. Just, like, police up aggro and, like, X1s. It's think... also, like, a big dumb idiot that, like, hits way too hard. I think it might be a meta call, specifically if you know you're going to be against a lot of elves or a lot of goblins, basically a lot of X1s. Yeah. Flying flying men. Little flying Weirdly, men. Weirdly, this mm -hmm. is a major non-bow with your own mana dorks. Can be, yeah. It's a huge combo with your own enraged dinosaurs. Yeah. 
We just curve dinosaur into dinosaur into this, and then they're dead. Okay. We get a land, a card, and a 5-5 with trample. How can they ever win? The answer is they cast Wrath of God and we lose. But... <laughs> Alright. But that's fine. Moving along, we're talking about the Re Regisaur Alpha. Uh, so, this is the old king dinosaur. Grr. Uh, other dinosaurs you control have haste. That line of text is not going to come up very often in Highlander. Except on the next line of text. Right, precisely. <laughs> which is that when it enters the battlefield, you create a 3-3 green dinosaur token with trample and haste, as the case mm -hmm. may be. So this makes 7 power for 5 mana. Yeah. This is above the going rate. And uh, yeah, 3 of it is, is hasty. That, and trample. Yeah. Um, that's contextually gonna gonna be good. I think this it's gonna be. I'll be I'll I'll be interested to see if this card sees play or not. Uh, the five mana slot is really where the cream of the crop starts rising to the top, and you're you're competing with yeah. cards like Thundermaw, Hellkite, or like Thrag Tusk. Yeah. So um, I don't know. But I could see. It's I mean, I could see a more aggressive deck wanting this over Thrag Tusk. Yeah. I, I could see deciding I don't need the five life. It's like I don't want to stabilize. I just want to get them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I could see that being a choice you make. I could also see there's enough dinosaurs in this set um, that like incidentally you're going to be able to give. The some other cards in your deck. Yeah, like the if you, time you, just blow if you happen to curve this into Carnage Tyrant, you're like, <laughs> yeah, they're dead. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. And, and there is a deck that probably plays. We've talked about five dinosaurs today, right? We talked about the, the three mana red one, yep. the four mana green one, the three mana green one, um, and the then, six mana green the one. The six yeah, mana so green Carnage one. Carnage Titan, the Scavenger, the Raptor. Yeah. Uh, what was the, the, the Rampaging Ferocidon? Yeah. So there's, there's six or seven dinosaurs that all conceivably could see play. Yeah. And most of them would see play in the same deck. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, probably all of them would see play in the same deck. So who knows? You might get some incidental value. But overall, I think this card is going to be uh, hard-pressed to find widespread play. Disclaimer, we are not saying that Highlander currently supports Dinosaur Tribal. We're not <laughs> no. saying that. No, no, Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> We're saying the opposite. This gives your mutiful haste. Holy heck, we got there. We did it. Mirror Entity haste. Hey, we got, a, we got another dinosaur coming up, too. Sweet. Sky Terror. I really like this card. Beep, yeah. beep. Uh, dino it's a bit smaller than the other dinosaurs we've been talking about, so... Uh, but fit, fits more in line with what a typical Highlander card Read those stats yeah. like. for yeah. us. Uh, so it's a white-red for a Flying Menace 2-2. So, so, I.e., you're never, ever blocking this. Yeah. yeah. It's got Evasion Evasion. Uh, Ooh. So, yeah, it, it's super, super hard to block, short of, like, exactly Lingering Souls, probably not blocking it. Uh, and and it's I think it's really good in a white-red deck, just because that deck really, really takes advantage of punching in just a little bit of damage, because it's really good at ending the game mm. with burn spells. If I had a dime for every time I got fogged by a Birds of Paradise... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. This card also holds swords... Incredibly well. Yep. Yeah. Um, Get him. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Jer said to me when when this card got spoiled, this card's really good, and I was actually like, "Are you sure? Is it really that good? It's only a two-two." But the the longer I've had to think about it, the yeah. more I I like this agree card. With the conclusion yeah. that this card's got to be nuts. Hey, Alex, you want to take us home with our last card of the day? I know you got some feels about so, this card. It's Vraska, Relic yeah. Seeker. Um, four green, black, six loyalty, Planeswalker. Plus two, create a 2-2 two -two black pirate creature token with menace. Okay. Minus three, destroy target artifact, creature, or enchantment. Create, make a treasure. Yeah. Um, minus ten, target player's life total becomes one. It's a six mana planeswalker. So, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna parrot what um, Allison said about this card. 
she's a local player who plays the rock and has done for many, 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 many years. Yes. Um, and she basically summed it up as like, there's only one problem I have with this perfectly good five mana planeswalker. <laughs> yes, it is in fact that it is That's not a five. That's the joke. I mean, I was wow. a little surprised. Because I'm not an expert in, uh, huh. in the rock, but I still think this card's sweet. It does so much stuff. Yeah. And it has like a million loyalty and all the abilities are live. Like it makes, it makes creatures with evasion on a plus, going up to eight loyalty. Mm -hmm. The minus, which you can do twice in a row without ever plussing it, like blows up almost anything and get like nets you a little bit of mana. And the minus one or the minus ten, if you've been plussing it, just kills them. Yeah, because you have oh, it's like menace. oh, I have a bunch of menace creatures, and now yeah. your life totals one, so crack in for lethal. I don't know. I would love to be proven wrong <clears throat> about this card. But the thing I said about five mana being where the real cream of the crop starts to rise to the top is even more true at six mana. It's and true. I, and I think the cards that this is competing against yeah. are pretty mm, steep. Just doesn't hit out something else. But I think in the style of, like, if you build your deck around winning with Planeswalkers as opposed to winning with creatures, a la you have, like, a lot of wrath effects in your deck, that this gets in over a lot of the creatures that's, just, that is just due true. to being a Planeswalker. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And, and it's, as Alex said, it's like, Good when you're ahead, good when you're behind, really good at ending the game. So it, it ticks all the boxes for like a a win condition that you want in those style decks. And it if you're playing like that wrath heavy style deck, I could definitely see playing it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a super playable card. Yeah. So Well that's that's it for all the cards we wanted to talk about today. It is. Um, we're definitely gonna do a follow-up segment. There's a lot of other cards we wanna talk about. Um, especially cards that we consider to be traps. And if you think there's any good cards that we missed, let us know in the comments, and we'll definitely try and talk about those next episode. Yeah. Um, with our usual wrap-up segment, let's go to Powerful Magic. Uh, today, Liam is going to tell us a... No, a Jeremy. 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 I know the other Liam. I point, I'm sorry, I even pointed at you. Jared's going to tell us a sick story. All right, so there's... I'll, I'll set the scene. All right. <laughs> there's two magic judges... Playing, oh, no. playing, no. playing yes. magic against each other. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> go on. We got into a, a super grindy game. Player A is playing an Abzan mid-range deck. Player B is playing a white-red prison deck. Mm -hmm. Go They're, on. Player B has Magus of the Moon in play. Uh, yes, Blood Moon in do. play. Oh, no. Bazaar of Baghdad in play. Maze of Ith in play. The Tabernacle at Pendril Vale in play. Player B has no basic lands. A bunch of creatures. Each turn, player, player, the Abzan players tapping all the mana to keep keep their creatures in play, uh, getting Maze of Ith. Uh, the other player is activating their Bazaar Baghdad, and then through several turns of this, uh, nobody's casting any spells. Sorry to jump in on your story. Yeah, nobody's casting any spells. How do you the, know? Due to the Blood Moons in play, I might be the other player in the story. Yeah. So. The, in case you haven't guessed, the, the two players in this story are myself and Surge. Yep. I was playing Abzan and Range. He was playing... A prison deck. Surprise, surprise. A, a prison both deck. just cheating your asses and, off. And somebody just casually well, walks by and is like, uh, why, are, why are you tap, tapping all your mana? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm paying for Tabernacle. Just like assuming they didn't know what Tabernacle yeah, did. You're like, and then you're like, there's Blood Moon in play. <laughs> oh, and there's also Magus in play. Surge, Surge and I just go like... Oh, oh no! <laughs> and then we're like, I'm like, oh, I'll concede. And Serge is like, no, 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 I'll concede. I'm conceding. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'll concede. 
So it's like so embarrassing. No, Why don't we both lose? <laughs> oh, yeah, I we wish. didn't. We didn't make it a draw. I think ultimately, I I took the loss there. I argued harder that I screwed up even more than he did. <laughs> yeah, oh, but it, man, <laughs> it's sportsmanship. I gotta say. Uh, I was just like, no, I'll take this loss. No, I insist I'll yeah. take the loss. Well, they both messed up pretty bad. We so do call bad. it Canadian Highlander. I'm sorry. No, I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that is true. This is, I mean, I guess you weren't an L2 judge at the time, but... <laughs> yeah. We were oh, both, man. like, fairly experienced L1 judges. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, how? Oh. I, I still don't know how that happened. Well, the best part was, like, we were, we weren't tapping... Other lands. We weren't casting. You weren't casting colored like, mana spells. Every yeah. every every non Maze of Ith bizarre tabernacle land was a mountain. Yeah, we got. It that was just part, right? those three that somehow got exempted from being well, mountains. It's a basic bizarre of Baghdad. It, I, I don't know a, whether you're aware, but it's that it's <laughs> that weird subtype. It's that weird little thing where you you often think of those lands as spells. Yeah. And so somehow in our head we're like, those sure. aren't lands, those are those are spells, so they're not shut off by the, the Magus effect, but whatever. So it goes. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and Surge wasn't even doing the thing some people do, which is they don't put those cards in with their lands. They were right in with the lands. <laughs> right amongst, There yeah. was no reason we should, shouldn't have been able to distinguish them. So, Truly some apart. powerful magic on yeah, that Yeah, that was, that was some powerful magic. <laughs> oh, man. Well... Thank powerful you, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for talking about the cards this set. Thank you to everyone at home for watching. And then a reminder that North 100 is brought to you by you uh, with your support over at the Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Uh, like we said earlier, we're going to do a follow-up episode to this. So if there's any cards you think are really powerful that we missed, uh, let us know. We'll talk about our next episode. And the focus of next episode is going to be more... Um, Cards that are kind of questionable, maybe edge cards, or cards that we think are traps. When people are like, you should play this, and you're just like, I, I, I think this card's bad. Yeah, we will but, explain yeah. why. Yeah, but uh, as always, thank you for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye!